Amen. Thank you, guys. If you'd like to take your seats, um, just add my welcome to you this morning. My name's Colin. have the privilege of leading the team here at Gateway. If this is your first Sunday with us, it's great to have you here. Hope you feel welcomed. Um, what a good morning it's been. And isn't one of the challenges of the Christian faith the paradox that we celebrate victory and we get to declare Jesus' triumph? that he has overcome sin and death, and yet we live with the tension of the realities that we are fragile human beings um, awaiting glory. And we're going to look at that this morning. Um, If you'd like to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just to say on that, I think it's a tension that we can hold well, by the way. We, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn, and that's, that's what we do as Christians. And there will be a day when that is no more, and we just simply rejoice, but right now we live in this now and not yet kingdom, and God encourages us by his spirit to do exactly what we've just done, to stand alongside, to comfort, to strengthen, to celebrate, to rejoice. And it's a real tension but it's something that we must do. And even, I just want to say, hear my heart in this, please. But as, as we're talking about this, that actually there are days when it is absolutely right to grieve. And we must do that and do that well. It's part of a healing process. It's part of how we're designed in the sense of we're in a fallen universe and it's how we express emotion. But in that also, I... I feel like there's times when I want to encourage us that when we're grieving, and many of you will have been through different journeys of grief, that there are points where it's also right to to say, I'm choosing to go towards pain and through suffering with my hope in Jesus and his victory, and I'm going to choose to celebrate with others. Now, I know that there's a journey that we have to go on on that, And we're people who are a work in progress. But I just feel that I want to call us to be people who can do the both and do it well. And that we need to learn to do that. Because we have hope. I'm just going to pray. We don't have long. Um, We will get to where we get to. Father, thank you for your amazing love towards us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have the victory, that we get to sing and celebrate and declare that truth together as we gather around you and for you and to you. And we want to thank you that you are here with us this morning, that you are interceding on our behalf, that heaven is celebrating you, King Jesus, this morning as we celebrate that we we. We join together with a chorus of angelic beings, heavenly beings, declaring that you are worthy of our praise and adoration. And as we come to your word right now, I just pray you'd help me by your spirit to um, be incredibly incredibly clear on these important issues we're going to touch into. But also I want to pray that you would awaken us right now to the realities of life and death. And that you would do a work of awakening us to be men and women who love you who are not fearful of death, but are confident of your victory, but at the same time that we are, we are heavenly minded in our thinking because, Lord, this life we live is for you and your glory. 
And so I pray, come Holy Spirit right now and open our ears, open our hearts, open the eyes of our heart to receive your truth afresh, that you would motivate us and build us up and encourage us in our good faith. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So I I plan in not very long, 20 minutes, to do two things this morning. Um, First of all, I want to ask the question, what is death? And I'm going to speed through that. Um, I want to touch on it because I think it's important that we think about it. And then I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and ask the question of what about resurrection bodies? Which is the question that's raised at the end of the chapter that we have been basing ourselves in for the last few months, weeks. Sorry. So what does the Bible teach about death? Ecclesiastes 7.2. It's a book we don't preach from very often. It says, For this death is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. It's the way we all go. As George Bernard Shaw, the playwright, said, The statistics on death are pretty impressive. One out of one people die. And I think the stats are still the same today. I haven't checked them. (laughs) It's the way we go. And the living do well to take it to heart, to think on it, to dwell on it, not in a morbid sense, but that it's a reality of us all. So this morning, if you are here and you are feeling young and immortal and you're full of energy and life and your eyesight hasn't yet dimmed, hallelujah, do not think of yourself as an immortal superhero. It's interesting, isn't it, that the spirit of the age is one of superheroes who can overcome death through strength and eating well. It's right, young people, to give death serious thought. It's interesting, isn't it, that those who are facing serious terminal sickness or those in Mike and Alex's situation, how death and And trauma in that sense begins to focus the mind on things that matter. But do not kid yourself that young age or a ripped body will prolong your life because you could walk out of this room and in an instant drop dead. You are one heartbeat away from dropping dead. You are one breath being missed and from falling dead on the floor from a bus coming and taking you from this momentary tent into eternity. And we do well, the Bible says, to think on these things. Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has put eternity into man's heart. God has made us, we're told in Genesis chapter 2, in his image. We are made in the image of God. And God is a being who has lived through all eternity and will go on living into all eternity. And he has made us in his image. There was once a time when you, however, and I were not, but from the moment of your conception, there will never be a time again when you are not. Every one of us on the planet, every human being ever born is still in existence. Every human being who has ever been conceived still exists forever. It's worth dwelling on over lunch. So death is inevitable, it comes to us all. Secondly, death is just 
the beginning. It's been said it's a change of address, therefore. We are now eternal beings, so death is simply a change of address. And it's been said, death is not the end of you. It's not the beginning of the end of you. But it is the end of the beginning of you. I've got a few of those where you have to do that this morning. In the last battle, I mean, the Chronicles of Narnia, I'm just about to start reading them with Phoebe. Aren't we, Phoebes? Good. In the last battle, C.S. Lewis, he's writing metaphorically about the death of believers. And he says this, All their life in this world had only been the cover and title page. Now at last they will begin in chapter 1 of the great story that no one on earth has ever read. That goes on forever and ever in which every chapter is better than the one before. Death is just the beginning. Your life is simply the thickness of the paint on the wall over there compared to the width of Swindon. The breadth of the UK, the distance across the cosmos. This life is a momentary fleeting vapor, the Bible says. Here today, gone tomorrow, here it is, oh, it's gone, it's disappeared. Into eternity. Life on earth now is just the opening page of the story of our lives. We're told, number three, that death is a great enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, as hopefully we will see in a moment, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And by the way, Jesus has got that one. Death is a great enemy. It causes so much pain. The trauma of a body shutting down. The, the, the sense... The immense sense of loss for those who are left behind. The fear of not doing all you believe that you were made to do and to experience all that you wanted to experience in life. Can I just say on that, do not worry because you have eternity. And I'm not preaching on heaven this morning, but you have eternity on new heaven and new earth where there is life and work and good things and adventure and exploration and food and friendship and wine no less. If you always wanted to own a microbrewery, you get to do it in heaven. Some of you can't grow beards, you get to do it in heaven. Your bodies will be improved. I'm, I'm going to stop. I could do a lot on that. Jesus was not immune to the grief of death. He wasn't immune to the, 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 the pain of this great enemy. When his friend Lazarus died, Luke writes, he was greatly distressed and he wept. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus empathizes with us? He understands. He's not just distant and removed. He is with us and he understands more than we realize. He understands the pain, the challenge, the grief, the loss, the, that sense of being ripped apart. My granddad died just a, a few months ago, and he was a believer in Jesus, had been for an incredibly long time, and he died at a good age of 92, if I remember correctly. Um, and he lived a good life. And yet it's still painful. There is something of death, which is that sense of it's an enemy. Why 
is that? Why is death so painful? Well, death is the climax of sin, and sin is the source of all pain. Death is the climax of sin, and sin is the source of all pain. God made it crystal clear to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, in the day that you eat of it, the fruit on the tree, you will surely die. Death is not just this random event that that we have to deal with. It is a specific action of a holy God against sin. It's a specific judgment and curse on humanity because of sin. But if you think about it, there is, I don't want to make our brains spin in in an unhelpful way, but there is also an element of grace because if we did not die, imagine the golem-like nest that would overtake us and how we would become so turned in on ourselves with no hope of not being able to grasp ourselves and the thing that brings joy to us and we would end up in this decrepit, both, both physically and emotionally and spiritually sta- spiritual state, well, that's hell. And one day I would love for us to look at the subject of the reality of hell. It is big. Jesus spoke about it. It's real. But we're not doing that today. Just to say, if you here are not a follower of Jesus, can I implore you to run to him this morning? lest you walk out that door or right now drop dead because it is destined for a man to die once and then judgment. And without Jesus, there is no hope for eternity. Death is God's limit on human beings. It's not unjust because we all sin. We all die. And finally, we were never designed to die. And when any part of us does something that it wasn't, isn't designed to do, we experience pain. So if your kneecap should bend the other way, you will experience a huge amount of pain. The world, as God created it, in its original state, was sinless and therefore deathless for human beings. And you can debate whether you think there was death of animals and matter. Probably there was, just chucking that in there. We were not designed to die. We were, you were not designed to die. You were designed to live with God forever and ever. And we are not designed to cope with the death of others. And isn't it interesting that we spend so much time and energy trying to avoid death? trying to run from it, trying to flee it, trying to work ourselves out of it at the gym and eat ourselves out of it by prolonging our life, trying to find ways of preserving bodies that, that we can just go on or maybe, maybe taking this, this cognitive thing that's in my head and, and putting it in a jar and plugging it into a computer so that my consciousness can go on forever and ever. We are a species who are trying to work out how do we defeat this thing called death. But we will never evolve to a place where death feels natural. We will never ourselves find any method to outrun death. It will overtake us all. And certainly, even as we've touched on this morning, some death feels more painful 
and more unnatural than others. As the psalmist said of young people dying, that they died in the midst of their days. At my granddad's funeral, as we were burying him, the boys, our boys, they were thoughtful and reflective. But as we stood at my granddad's grave, where my nan was also buried next to him, just a few graves down was a 13-year-old lad. And there was something in that moment that, as I talked to Jude about it, that resonated with him actually more than my granddad dying, which is fine, because he said, he didn't say, but he recognized, hey, that could be me. And at this point, we meet a fork in the road, and we have two verses, one for the left and one for the right. Left fork, speaking of the death of an unbeliever, in Job 18.14, he is torn from the tent in which he trusted. His body, he's torn from the tent in which he trusted and is brought to the king of terrors. If you here this morning do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the day that you die, it will be like you are wrenched, you are ripped from your body in an instant. And you will be separated from God, but there will be a day of judgment when you come before him, and to you he will be the king of terrors. It's what Job tells us. And there is nothing comforting I can say to you if that is where you stand at that point in your life. There is no comfort. There is no words of of peace for that moment. Which is why I have to tell you today, run to Jesus. He's the only means of which you do not have to encounter God as the king of terrors. And if you've heard it this morning, you have no excuse on that day. You will think back to this moment. And say, why didn't I just run? Even if you've got the slightest flickering in your heart of a a softness to that message of grace, of the good news of Jesus Christ, that God came to rescue you in and through his son dying in your place. Do not go from this place without saying to the person that brought you here this morning or without coming and finding one of us guys as part of the leadership team and saying, I want to know who Jesus is. Lest you go and your heart is hardened forever. The right fork, the death of a believer, Philippians 1.23, my desire, the Apostle Paul says, is to depart because that is better by far. Do not think that when a friend or family member dies who knows and loves Jesus, don't think for a moment that it is a waste. What a great exchange to give any days or years of life here on earth for glory. It's a win-win. But in that, I do not mean you, you, you should grieve. But don't say it's a waste. It's not a waste. They're in glory. Death outside of belief in Jesus Christ is horrific. And the writer to the Hebrew says, it is appointed to man to die once And then the judgment. For those who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, boy is there comfort and hope. 
because the sting of death has been removed. Can I just encourage you right now to um, lift your hands to God, to be before him? Maybe, listen, we don't, we're not those who sit on rows. We're those who celebrate the victory of the cross. We don't have to sit in seats. We don't have to conform to a pattern in that sense. But So I want to say to you, if you just right now want to come and kneel before your maker and creator, the one who gave you life, the one who breathed life into you. Have such a freedom to do that. Maybe where you are, you just want to be before God and thank him. Thank him for sending his son. And receive him afresh this morning by faith. Father, we, we come before you this morning as very fragile human beings. And we thank you that you came to us and you called us by name. And just as Jesus, as you did to Lazarus in the grave, you spoke into the death of our life. And you said, Colin, come out, live. And you speak to each one of us and you say, come out, live. And thank you that the effect of your spirit was we heard that cry. We heard that command and we have received salvation. I'm not going to preach. I just want to say one of the things I wanted to so importantly say today is that you can be so sure of bodily resurrection. You can be absolutely confident that one day your body will be lifted from the grave. And it will be a renewed body, a redeemed body, a a resurrected body, and it will not be broken and perishable. And you have that to look forward to. We are made beings who are to dwell in these bodies. It's a gift of God. It's how we work and function. It's how we designed. And we have a hope that our our eternity is not floating and singing songs with harps on clouds, but it is life and life in the full, pleasure evermore that we cannot even comprehend right now. And we have an eternity to celebrate and know God and live life. And, and I just want to say to you that I believe, I believe that we are going to see things that take our breath away. That even right now, that, that we, we are only glimpsing things of the future glory that awaits us for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So we're going to celebrate that. For those of you here this morning who don't know him, I want to encourage you. Being a follower of Jesus always takes a step forward. You do not just fall into the kingdom of God. You don't trip into it. It's a decision of the will. It's the choice of a human heart. It's a man's heart making a decision. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. And I want to invite you as we worship and celebrate, I implore you, would you come to the front? Just as a sign of receiving Jesus, and we would love to talk to you about what that is. We'd love to stand and pray with you and welcome you into God's family. Let's celebrate. Let's go for it. Father, we love you. We worship you. We adore you. Pour your spirit out upon us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us this morning. We boast in your victory, King Jesus. Amen.